0: Hi guys, great to be with you. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that you'll be warm this morning. (laughs) So Today I'm going to be talking to you uh, about uh, what I'm involved with and what God is doing in Burundi in East Africa. And really I'm going to tell you stories and just share with you some lessons and some things that um, I and my team have learned um, along the way. So uh, I don't know how many people have heard of Burundi. Uh, probably those from Gateway Church, Swindon, <laughs> which is where I'm based. So I know they've heard of Burundi. But anyone else, you heard of Burundi? Okay, a few of you. Often when I say to people I'm working in Burundi, people say, "Where is that? Or is it a country?" Um, yes, it is a country. It's right in the heart of Africa, a tiny little country, and it's only about the size of Wales. So it's very small, but God has given us some very big promises. Um, I first went to Burundi in 1999. I was a teacher, and uh, I taught in the UK for uh, 11 years, and then I felt God called me to go to Burundi. For me, this happened through uh, being a, a Bible week, the stony Bible week, not unlike uh, New Day, where I met someone who invited me to go. But long before that, God had put the nations in my heart. And I bet for many of you here, the reason maybe that you've chosen this track is because you feel something stirring in you. And I would encourage you, take that seriously. Don't dismiss it. God is at work. And in you know, in your, uh, when you're this kind of age and God can put things in you and then you make the decisions based on what you know God's call is on your life, that's a powerful thing. So... Uh, for me, I went off to Burundi, first of all, when I was 32 years old. Before that, I'd done two weeks in Africa, and I'd done a mission trip to China just for a few weeks. So I was very naive. I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing. And I was working in an orphanage. At that point, Burundi was in the war, and uh, many children had been orphaned through the war or through their parents' um, dying of HIV AIDS or other diseases and uh, hopefully you can see on that screen there some of the some of the littlies that we were working with. Well those children had uh, obviously grown up and the director of the organization that I was working with she said to me that she needed a teacher so I went to Burundi thinking that I was going to be a teacher of 18 children and when I got there she said oh no actually God's spoken and we're setting up an international school Um, And God told me that you're the person to do it. And my response was, God, you got me here under false pretenses. I have no idea how to do this. One of the things that we all need to learn is actually we can't do things on our own. We need to depend on God. And sometimes uh, that often means that we are are most effective when we are leaning on God and when we're depending on him. When we get into trouble is when we think that we, we know how to do it. So, in a way, I was in a good place. I had no idea what to do, but God was with us and people helped and ended up setting up a school for um, orphan children that was then open to the public and we ended up with government ministers' children and um, all sorts of officials' children with us. So it was a real mix. We had black and white and rich and poor and we had the two main tribal groups in the school together, which is Hutus and Tutsis. And at that point, they were in war with one another. So it was quite an amazing thing, really, that God was doing then. And a lot of children were saved. It was a Christian school. Um, Oh, wrong way but i 'd like to tell you about this young guy, Marungwa. You can see there um, the guy in the center, young guy Marungwa. He was age eight when I first met him, and Marungwa is very key to this story and I know yesterday you were hearing about god 's heart for the poor and I want you to to capture today as I just share this story that Marungwa, at the age of eight, recently orphaned, is now been raised up and is heading up our work in Burundi and that's what God does when he gets hold of people's lives so follow his journey you'll see him appear but uh, at that point um, Murungwa and the other kids um, would sometimes come down and have sleepovers um, they would come and do cooking and come and have chicken dinners just to give them a bit more personal attention and I had always wanted to adopt Marungwa and some of the other children but I was single and I couldn't um, Then, God told me to leave Burundi. And it was really confusing because I'd given up everything to go. I'd lived there for three years. God had given promises about what he wanted to do. And then God told me to go back to the UK and not to go back into teaching, um, not to get full-time work immediately, but to wait on him. And as it happened, I ended up working for the New Frontiers group of churches for several years. But Burundi was always in my heart, but I never thought I'd go back. But every single day I thought about the kids and I thought about Marungwa and I wished that I could be back with them. And then one day over Facebook I got a message from Marungwa. And this was in 2010 and Marungwa wrote to me and he said, why did you leave us? I wanted you to be my mum. And I was like, man, what have we done to these kids? I need to go back to Burundi and I need to explain. And basically to cut a long story short, God made a way for me to go back. And so in 2010 I went back to Burundi. Marungwa then was 21 years old. You can see him there. I met some of the other kids and saw them again who'd been in the orphanage. And the man at the top right there is a man named Everest. Now Everest had been our school administrator. He'd helped me register the school with the government uh, when I'd been living there. And he picked me up from the airport when I went to Burundi and he said to me, Donna, would you like me to take you to see the rural areas of Burundi and so I jumped at the chance when I'd lived there it was during the war we hadn't been able to get out of the city we'd once tried and we got caught in crossfire so that was it for the three years I never really saw the rural Burundi and most of Burundi is rural so Everest took me up to his home village and uh, we went up to a place that he calls prayer mountain and when we got there he shared with me a vision that God had given him and he said to me, Donna, in 1993, God brought me to this place and he told me that wherever my eyes can see, I will see transformation. And on that map there, you can see that Burundi is surrounded by Congo, Rwanda and Tanzania, three nations And God promised that he would see transformation in all of those nations. And in that moment, I knew that God was calling me to get behind Everest and support him in seeing this vision come about. But I said to Everest, Everest, how are you going to do this? Are you going to plant a church? And he said, for sure. God has told me that I must, but I don't know how to do it. And he said, it's transformation of the heart and it's transformation of the land. And I said to him, Everest, have you heard of something called Farming God's Way? And he said, yeah, I've heard about it, but I don't, know, I don't know what to do about it. But I want to start it here. And at that point, I was working with a team in Zimbabwe that was focusing on Farming God's Way, which is a way that brings uh, 10 times more crops than normal farming. And so it brings people right out of poverty and uh, obviously out of starvation. And so I thought, ah. I'm here for purpose. God has sent me. And so I decided that I would get behind Everest and help him um, in his vision. So I said to Everest, what are you doing? What are you doing with this vision of transformation? And you know, when God, when God speaks to us, um, he'll often put something small in front of us. And he's just waiting to see, will we be faithful with what we've got in front of us? Or will we wait for the big thing to come? And I've learned over the years that time and time again, God is like, be faithful with the small, and trust me to multiply it. And I think that's a kingdom principle that we need to live by. Well, Everest um, had oh, gone too far. Everest had uh, studied agriculture, and he knew that those big longhorn cows that you see up there are really not good for Burundi. They're all over the country, but they, um, they eat all the crops, and they're kind of considered like a status. So here, where you'd see somebody who has like a car or something that says status, in Burundi it's these cows. And so you'll get families that are starving, but they have a cow, and they won't, uh, they won't eat their cow because they'd rather keep it as a status symbol. So it's really a really bad thing in the mindset and so Everest wanted to change this and he brought in, with his own money, he bought two Frisian cows that he imported from um, Rwanda, uh, Tanzania, sorry, and he brought in these cows and he wanted to show people that if you had these Frisian cows and you milked them, you would get 10 to 15 litres of milk a day. The, the Ancoli cattle, the Longhorn cattle, you only get one or two litres a day. Now Burundi is one of the poorest nations in the world and uh, many children die at a very young age because they're not nourished properly and so to have such an amazing source of milk um, as nutrition is just incredible and yet people had it kind of the opportunity but they weren't really taking it and for two years people laughed at Everest but God had spoken to Everest and God had said the problem in Burundi is cows and the answer is cows, and God. Uh, sorry, Everest took God seriously, and that's another lesson for us. If we think God is speaking, you know, yes, we need to get the counsel of others around us and pray into it. But often, what God says doesn't make any sense to anyone else. And the people in Everest Village, they thought he was just telling nonsense and uh, couldn't see how these cows would help. But for two years. He fed them the same as the others, he put them in a pen, and he took the money from the, si- the milk sorry, he took the milk down to the city and sold it, and then he sent the money up to the cow uh, up to the village. And people began to think, hang on a minute, we actually could be lifted out of poverty. We could actually have food to eat. We could actually send our children to school. And so after two years of people laughing at him, people were saying, oh, we want these cows. We want these cows. Now, when I got involved, Everest had got 30 cows and 30 families had come right out of poverty. Their lives had been completely changed from literally just having nothing to suddenly having an income that meant that they could pay medical bills. Like I say, they could send their kids to school. So this promise of transformation I believe, is a promise of the kingdom coming on earth. The kingdom is God's rule, God's way of doing things, his rule and reign. And when we see God breaking in and doing things in his way, it brings transformation. So from these cows, suddenly people are better nourished. Children are living longer. They can go to school, so they're being educated. And people can have a better standard of, of life, so they could... Uh, Things like they could uh, build a mud hut for themselves to live in. They could put a roof on so that they weren't living out in the open. So very quickly, transformation was coming. And uh, Everest wanted to scale up this business. He wanted to help more people. And so as I stood on that mountainside with him that day, I'm like, I'm just going to help Everest get more cows. I'm going to do what I can with what I've got, and I'm going to help him get more cows to help more families and so I began to work with Everest I began to go in and out of Burundi we began to open up more outlets in the city so the milk would go down to the city and be sold across the city to families that didn't have much money and therefore they could then um, buy the milk as a source of food you know in Burundi people don't eat every day they don't eat three times a day most people only eat once a day and many people don't even do that So for some people, milk is the only thing that they have in a day. So this milk is really making an enormous impact uh, in Burundi. Um, Then as I got more involved, we ended up designing and having sent out to Burundi a big processing machine like this that we eventually sent out in a container. Do you know what? God provided us with £50,000 for this machinery. That's amazing. We didn't even try. And that's another lesson that I've learned on the way. You know, we, in, in our work in Burundi, we never really know where the money's coming from. But when God asks us to do something, he provides. And he did provide for all of this equipment and for us to have it shipped out so that more people could be helped. It was God's heart. But then God spoke to us and God said, I don't want you to think just about the rural areas. I want you to plant a church in the city. This is the capital city in Burundi, a place called Bujumbura. Not very much like London, not very developed at all. Burundi is always also one of the least developed nations. But we felt God was saying for us to have a base in the city. Then God provided us with this piece of land, a a piece of land that we call City Gate. And uh, it's quite a large piece of land. It used to be the site of one of the worst massacres in Burundi. Burundi has a history not just of war but of genocide where um, hundreds of thousands of people were killed. And in this place, um, many, many people had lost their lives. But as we stood on this piece of land, asking God if he wanted us to have it, we felt God said to us, this will be a place of hope and healing and restoration. That piece of land was £100,000. We didn't have a penny. Within six months, God had provided everything. It was incredible. (laughs) Yeah, amen. (laughs) (laughs) Woo, yes. (laughs) It really was phenomenal. And we didn't even try, literally. God just did it. Okay. But then there was a disaster in Burundi. And uh, just after we'd bought this piece of land and we were planning on building a training center on it, there would also be a church building flooding and landslides hit Burundi and the community where we had bought the land was one of the worst affected areas and uh, well over 100 people were killed people lost their homes they lost everything they most people in Burundi don't have very many sets of clothes but people literally only had what they were what they were wearing and they lost their businesses and everything there's no insurance there's no help what were they to do Uh, We visited that lady in the middle there, a lady called Adette. She'd lost five of her six children. I don't know if you can see, the pictures are not very clear, but in that uh, top right-hand one was her house that was completely devastated by flood water. She'd been outside collecting water with one daughter, Vanessa, who's pictured there, and the the, uh, water had come down from the mountains, gone right through her house and killed five of her children. And just cause devastation and just like God, really a place of hope and healing and restoration it's like a place of devastation, but we 're seeing God turn it around um, now at the same time as this disaster, there was also a group of people that were living in the most uh, horrendous conditions whoops I'm going wrong sorry Chirama the Chirama community our friends the the forgotten people living under bits of straw um, ah, and plastic. And nobody was allowed to help them. We wanted to take food in. The government said to us, no, we'll arrest you. But we felt that God said, no, I've joined you to these people for a reason and I want you to to help them. And so we began sending crisis support to Gatanguru and to uh, Chirama, the two communities that we're working in, and we began to send milk from our milk business to the malnourished children. You can see their children just in a terrible state because they'd had no help for many, many months. There they are, enjoying their milk. So we, at the moment we're sending um, half a litre of milk to over 200 children every day and it's really making a massive difference. They're much healthier as a result. Um. I don't think this video, I had a short video for you, but we haven't got the technology to play it. So I'm going to whiz past if I can. Now, one of the things I've learned is that when God speaks, he often then, you often get something that happens that makes it look like God didn't speak and makes you question it. And so just as we were beginning to support these communities, there was a crisis in Burundi, uh, a political crisis, and there was lots of uh, fires and demonstrations and people being killed. And Everest, who I was working with, had to flee the country, and he's still living in another country. He ended up handing over the work to me, and again, I ended up with one of those moments where I'm like, really, God? I don't know how to do this. I don't know what, what you want us to do here, except that you want to bring transformation. And God spoke through Isaiah 61. There's a passage in Isaiah that says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And it talks about how he's called us to bring good news to the poor and how he wants us to see the captives set free and how he wants us to see those who are mourning, comforted. And I'm not doing very well on my technology here, am I? Sorry. (laughs) Do you know what? (laughs) Somebody help me. I shouldn't really be allowed out in Burundi because I can't even operate a PowerPoint. <laughs> right, there we are. Right. Ah. There we are. Right. So we took this passage really, really seriously. And, and I was really crying out to God because I'm like, what's a white woman doing in Burundi? Like trying to, ah, trying to lead this work. I feel like I'm not even touching it and it's going, what am I doing? <laughs> Right. Okay. And so I was just like, God, please show us. Show me your heart. Show us what to do. And you know what? It's gone again, hasn't it? You know, I'm just going to let that go for a minute. And I just felt like God said to me, number one, we love him. He wants us to love him with all our hearts and all our souls and all our minds. And number 2, he wants us to love people. And so he asked us to love people by standing with them practically. And so we continue to send food, we continue to send milk, we help people get back into business, we help people get into safe housing. And as we did that, we began to see things happen. Now, there's a verse in the Bible that uh, says, seek first the kingdom. And so we've been seeking to do that. And there's another verse in the Bible that talks about how Jesus will build his church. And I had felt God was kept on saying, seek first the kingdom, Jesus will build his church. Seek first the kingdom, Jesus will build his church. And then there was a period of time that I had to be away from Burundi I had cancer and as I said Everest was also away with his family and in that time God raised up a local man Idiphonse, and Idifont started gathering people for prayer and for worship and he started saying to people do you know what God is real because you've cried out to God for help when you had nothing And look, God sent you food from people in other nations. And God sent us clothes and medical equipment from people in other nations. And people began to meet with God because people had shown them love. And that is a real lesson for us. You know, sometimes we can get really super spiritual, but actually it's really simple. God wants us to love people. He wants us to be kind to people. And if you're here today because you feel a call to the nations, that is brilliant. And pursue God for his purposes in your life. But our purposes, God's purposes for us don't begin when we go to another nation. Yeah, it's here and it's now. And for all of us, we get to bring in the kingdom right where we are. And you know, every time you're obedient to God, every time you say yes to him, every time you don't give in to temptation, every time you show love or kindness to others... You are advancing the kingdom of God. You're demonstrating his heart to people. And so actually mission is right here and now. Wherever we find ourselves, we're on a mission. We don't need to wait. We don't need to wait until God speaks to us and says, go to another country. And yes, he does have those plans and purposes for some of you, but don't wait for that. Don't think, oh, in a few years' time when I'm older and I'm just going to get the call of God and then I'll go and do something amazing for him. He's like, no, I made you to be image bearers. I made you to demonstrate my love to the people around you to bring in his kingdom here and now on earth. You know the Lord's Prayer, that, uh, where uh, Jesus was teaching the disciples to pray, and he says, you know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he wants what heaven is like, that place of perfection. He wants us to start uh, trying to, to, to go for that, believing for that now here on earth. So where we see suffering, he wants us to do something about it. He wants us to reach out. He wants us to show love. He wants us to give. He wants us to go. It will be different responses, but he definitely wants us to do something and not just wait. Yeah, so we're all on mission. Wherever we are, we get to bring in the kingdom of God. And so we began to see God as we as we tried to to live out seeking his kingdom and living people, uh, loving people. We began to see God. Establishing his church and this this man Idifonse gathered people and then in the time that Everest and I were away, we we went back and oh Everest didn't go back, I went back, met with Idiphonse, and he's like, Donna, we've got a church here. And he knew of our vision. We shared with him our vision for transformation, and he said, This is City Gate, City Gate Church, Gatanguru. Now, This is an amazing story. In the other community that we're working with, there's uh, a guy called Jean-Claude. You'll see him there holding the football boots and the football. And Jean-Claude was a rebel. So he was involved in a lot of killing. And... uh, When we were gathering with some of the people in our Chirama community, Jean-Claude had asked to speak to us. And he'd written a little proposal and he said, I want to help young people know about Jesus. And I want them to be able to take part in national football competitions. Can you help us? Now, this community is very poor. He wanted them to have football kits and boots so that they could compete. And uh, when we got the letter, I thought, oh, well, this is good. This is somebody who's got aspirations. Let's get behind this guy. But I didn't really know what was in his heart. And as we met with him, we just said to him, Do you really know Jesus? And his face lit up and he said, Yeah, yeah, I know Jesus. I know Jesus. Jesus rescued me. I was in prison for 18 years. And when he was in prison, he'd um, been in solitary confinement, I think, for 12 of those years. Imagine. Horrendous, horrendous time. But God had broken in. He'd got saved. And so Jean Claude knew God and the authorities used to use him to go and chase after criminals. So he discovered this passion for sport through being in prison when he was allowed to go and chase people that were escaping or whatever. It's quite an amazing story. And so we just felt like we wanted to get behind him. And that day, as he shared his testimony, other people in the room began to just get impacted. And here you'll see five people that morning responded to God. We just felt, as uh, as he was talking, it was like the presence of God came down. And we just said, you know, is there anybody here that doesn't know Jesus, that wants to put their hope in Jesus? And one of our team preached the gospel, and five people got up in the middle and just came and knelt down. And one of those guys, he'd been a rebel too. And his testimony was, he said, I never knew that the mercy of God even covered killing. He said I've killed multiple people. And God saved him there that day. It was the most phenomenal thing. And now the guy Jean-Claude that I just showed you with the football, we just met with him and I was out in Burundi just a couple of weeks ago and he said I've got I've got 70 young people that I'm discipling. And he said I don't want them to make the same mistakes that that I made. And he said, you know, can you, can you help me? Can you, can you get behind me? Can you support me? Can you help me with the kits so that I can gather them? And so now we are, uh, somebody in my church is, is using his passion for sport and trying to get football boots and kits and contacts with football clubs and we're trying to get loads of equipment sent out to Burundi, which is amazing. You know, God can use whatever passions he's given you. Don't write them off. And so um, this passion for sport is reaching young people it's amazing oh oh that did work lost it again right so as a result of that our friends in the chirama um community then said to us will you help us please start a church They said, we've seen something different and we want what you've got. And so we're now involved in planting a second church. And this came, we believe, through seeking the kingdom. Now, um, how how are we doing for time? where am I at? Okay. So, God has been speaking to us saying that actually his promise is that he's going to bring transformation in Burundi and last year he spoke to me through a lady I was at a conference and God gave me a prophetic word and said that we were to think nationally that we were thinking too small and you know what I said to God I'm like really God I don't think we're thinking too small it's really hard to believe you for transformation in Burundi we're seeing you do great things but it feels like it's a big big vision and Burundi is so poor and it's so corrupt and there are so many issues and I felt God really convicted me and said Donna you need to think differently my children should expect these kind of opportunities where you're going to be able to impact nations and I want to say that to you here today if you give your hearts to God and if you surrender to him and follow the things that he puts in your heart and that he says to you, there are no limits. We need to let God lead us. It's not about us going and being arrogant and independent and thinking we're going to save the world. We can't do it. But, but God will use us through the power of his Holy Spirit in us to help us bring change in our towns, in our cities and in the nations. And he has big, big plans that he wants to use us in and I want to really encourage you today don't write yourself off dream the big dreams and so for us as a team we felt God was saying to us you need to think differently you need to think nationally not just how you're going to help your communities but how you're going to see transformation come in this nation and he we felt God was saying to us there's three lanes that you're to run in the first of course is the gospel salvation and church planting The second is something for Foundations for Farming, which I'll talk about in a minute. And the third is our Milk for Transformation enterprise that I was just telling you about. And so we started to think differently. We had to learn to align our thinking with God's and think, okay, God, if you want to use us in this way, for sure we want to see this nation changed and we want to see Jesus glorified because of what God is doing there. We had a prophetic word from a lady who said, I see massive farmlands, I see massive reproduction. I just see massive food. Instead of there being food shortages, I just see the land becoming so productive and the blessing of God just shining down on that nation. And the Lord is saying, do not be discouraged. Amen. The time is coming. The time is now. Now, you might remember at the beginning of the story, I told you about something called Farming God's Way, and I'd said to Everest, you know, did he have a passion to start it? And he did. But because of the various challenges, we hadn't been able to. But when we got this prophetic word, we said, actually, now... Now is the time. Let us work towards it. And so we began to train people in foundations for farming. Now, I've got an amazing story to share with you. So we began this training uh, using people that had been trained where it was pioneered in Zimbabwe. And we gathered initially a group of 20... Uh, 20 or so people and we taught them how to teach uh, how to farm in this way it's based on god's ways of doing things as revealed in the bible not man's ways so they don't plow you you and you uh, put that thick you may be able to see there all the straw that's mulch it's what we call god's blanket that protects the soil and when you farm in these ways you get at least 10 times more crops than you do using traditional farming methods so for us in Burundi where people live off what they can grow this is going to be amazing because this can actually put an end to starvation in Burundi we truly believe that and this was just last year that we were um, starting to teach um, foundations for farming But, you know, just as we started, as I said to you a moment ago, sometimes when God gives us a promise and when God gives us a word, it then gets challenged. And just as we were about to plant, we'd done a little demonstration crop and we found this pest on it. It's called the army worm. It's destroying crops all across the world. And we found it in Burundi, literally three days before we were due to plant maize in the ground that we'd prepared. And we were like, what do we do now? If we plant the maize, it's going to be destroyed by this pest. And we cried out to God as a team. And amazingly, a friend of mine, Nigel Ring, who was in another church, sent me a text. And he'd shared with his church for prayer what was going on in Burundi. And the person in his church had had a, a scripture from Malachi that says, Your crops will not be devoured. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. So now we had, we now had a a, a challenge and we're like, okay, God, if this is really you speaking to us, we're going to plant and we're going to use all the land that we've got and all of our resources, but we risk our crops dying and being eaten and we go nowhere. But we're like, actually, no, God has spoken. We need to take a step of faith. And that's another lesson that I've learned on this journey, and I'm still learning, is that we need to take a step before we then see the the, the answer of God come. And so we said, okay, we're going to take a step of faith. We're going to go ahead, and we're going to plant. And that very afternoon, we had an email from the team in Zimbabwe that we'd written to, and we said, can you help us? Have you ever had this pest? And they hadn't, but they said, We've heard if you spray it with washing up liquid, it will die. So we got a sprayer and we filled it with washing up liquid and we went and sprayed it on our crops. And sure enough, this pest died. And we're like, God, that's amazing. In Rwanda, the neighbouring country, the government has brought in aircraft and they've sprayed all of their crops across the nation with pesticides which damage the land. But we'd taken a step of faith and God came through and God showed us how to kill this pest with washing up liquid, which is available in Burundi. Isn't that amazing? And so then we went and bought sprayers and we went and bought loads of washing up liquid. And we sent our teams around to all the communities around us to spray their crops as well so that we could love them and save their crops as well. And you know what happened? We got incredible growth from our crops And I don't know if you can see those pictures. The one on uh, the other side there, that's man's way of farming and then God's way of farming over here on the right. And so people were amazed. And, you know, there's a group in Burundi called the Imbanera Kuri, and they do a lot of killing and a lot of torture. And I'd had a run-in with one of the chief, the chief guy, actually, who'd come to me, and he's like, why are you here? Why are you here? You need my permission to be here. And I'm like, we're here to love and serve this community. We, we love these people, we're here, we're Christians, we want to serve them, we're here to church plant and he said, I'm a Christian too, he said, but now is the time for us to stop doing things in the ways of God and we will do things in the ways of man and he said, you will come, you will report to my office tomorrow and we were terrified because this group do nasty, nasty things to people And you know what? The next day, we actually asked him to come to our land. We didn't go to his office. We had advice. We were advised not to. He came to the land and he came up to us and uh, we shook his hands and, and he said, he said, you, he said, pointing at me. He said, you, 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 I've been talking about you and i told him our plans for this farming god's way i told him what we were planning and doing he said i've been giving testimony about you in this in this community i've been telling them that there's this lady coming she's going to teach us how to farm and she's going to teach us how we can make more food so that we don't starve and he said how do you do this and so I started to frantically tell him everything I could about foundations for farming and he's like no no I want to know actually how do you do it and I was like okay 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 and I was really my heart was pounding but I began to explain to him how we did it and he said why have you taken so long we need you in this place and his the headquarters for this group are right where we have our piece of land and then later when we, when we were doing the training, he came and, and uh, I went over to him and I greeted him. And he said, can you teach me to farm in this way? And when you do foundations for farming, you're not just teaching about farming, you're teaching people about who God is. And every time you're teaching about farming, you use it as an opportunity to say, well, God is a God, is a God of order. So we order our crops and God doesn't waste things and, and God doesn't have favorites. And so you're teaching about who God is and people get saved through it. And he said, can you teach me to, to, to farm in this way? And I said, of course, we'd be happy to. Can you even come to your, to your house, I said, and we can, we can test your soil for you. And, and he said, and in return, I will guarantee your security in this place. That's God, isn't it? <laughs> and so we had an abundant harvest that was not devoured by the army worm as God has, had promised when God makes a promise it's a promise kept and we had absolute abundance and great rejoicing and you know these communities had been so despairing and so lacking in hope and yet now we're seeing God break in many people have been saved but they also have hope for their future they've now got hope of being able to feed their families we got on our first crop, we got more than 10 times the average on our first crop. That is just phenomenal. And, you know, Burundi can't feed itself at the moment in the way that Burundi feeds. It can't feed itself from the land it's got. It hasn't got enough. But if you take God's way of doing things, then suddenly Burundi can have abundance. And that's our God, that he turns around the lack and he will restore and give even more than... Uh, than. They would have had before. And he also restores not just the ability to grow food, but people's dignity. And for many years, we've been giving food aid. We still are, in fact, because not everybody yet knows how to farm in this way. And people were grateful, but there's not a lot of dignity when you're given food. But now you compare this here with this lady last year carrying away her sack of maize that she's grown. And you can imagine there was great rejoicing that day. And we just actually harvested again last week. And again, 10 times the amount of crops, even though earlier in the year our crops got destroyed by flooding. So... (laughs) And you remember I said that God gave us a promise for that piece of land, a place of hope, healing and restoration. Those 50 farmers that you can see pictured there, they're our latest trainees... And they 're standing on that land in Gatanguru that has already become a place of hope and healing and restoration. When God speaks, God is faithful, and He keeps His word. Now, just very quickly, I just want to share with you an amazing thing that we 're seeing God do in the lives of our of our friends. A few months back we, we shared this scripture, we're meeting with our, with our leaders of the communities and we felt God highlighted this verse to us from Psalm 113, he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap, he seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. Now we took hold of that scripture and we said to our, we said to our friends, we believe God wants you to be thinking in line with his word. And you know how I showed you Marungwa at the beginning, you know, a young orphaned boy that actually is now, he's now leading our farming training and he's leading our, our leadership team for our churches and God's lifted him up. And as we were with the, with the folk from these communities that have been devastated by disaster and oppressed by the government, we felt God was saying, people need to think differently. They need to see themselves as God sees them. That God sees them and wants to seat them with princes. He wants to seat them with those who are privileged. He wants to give them dignity. He wants us to know that we are his sons and daughters. And that with him, we can bring transformation wherever we are. And for our friends that are so poor, the poorest of the poor, God was saying to them, I want you to think differently. And you know what? That day, the presence of God came down and they began to weep. And they began to just say, we're sorry, and not to me, but repenting to God. And like, we've seen ourselves as victims. But we now see that God's heart for us is that we're not victims, that we need to, we need to rise up. We need to think that we can bring change in our own nation. And they've changed, and they're bringing change in their communities. And it's been phenomenal what's been happening ever since. And there you are, Morungwa, the young orphan boy that I first met when he was eight years old. We've just sent him to Zimbabwe. He did exceptionally on the farming training in Zimbabwe. He's now, as I said, heading up our farming training, and he's training others. And we recently, just about two weeks ago, I had an email from Brian Aldrieff, who's the man that started um, Foundations for Farming 30 years ago, and he's now seeing it go around the nations of the world. And Brian wrote, and he said, I've looked at your photos And he said, your standards are uh, uh, around the highest that I have seen anywhere in the world. That's amazing. And that's Marungwa, the little orphan who people thought his life may amount to not very much, who God has raised up. And Marungwa has been faithful and he's worked so hard and he's an exceptional young man. But he is seeing God raise him up to be at the forefront of bringing transformation in his own nation. And right now... We are just about to embark on a new initiative. Um, That verse talks about people being lifted out of the dust and the ash heap. And our friends that we're working with, they're literally homeless. Hundreds of families homeless, living in the mud or trying to find shelter in partly built houses. And on a recent visit, just felt God said, you know what? This is not my heart. This has to change. And so we talked with the leaders, and we're like, how can we serve you? How can we help you? And they said, we've got building skills. We can build houses, but what we can never do is we can never get land. And so I came back and talked with my church leaders at Gateway, and, and they said, you know what, Let's, let us take up an offering to get some land so that we can um, help these families. And so um, that's what we're doing. you know. And the Bible tells us that whatever we do for the least of these Brothers and sisters of mine, Jesus, this is, you did for me. And when we're helping, when we're helping others, when we're helping the poor, it's as if we're helping Jesus. And I know if I met Jesus living in the mud, I wouldn't just want to walk away and say, that's okay. You're in Africa, that's okay. That's what happens in Africa. And as I was with our friends in in the terrible conditions that they're in, it was like God was saying, this is not my heart. And so we have to do something. And this is our piece of land that we're just now in the process of buying. And there's our Chirama friends at the bottom with, with Marungwa there. And Lenovo, one of our leaders, who's just holding up those bricks. And he's like, we can make these bricks. And he came to us and he's like, oh, I know you want to build a new premises for the, for the milk enterprise. And uh, we'll make bricks for you. You see, God is at work in the the lives of our friends. He saved them and now he's changing their minds and he's helping them to see that they too are nation changers. They are ones that can bring in the kingdom wherever they are. And so we are uh, going to be giving each uh, family a plot of land that's big enough to build a house on and also that's uh, got a farming plot in so that they can grow their own crops. And the plot that they'll have will be big enough for them to survive on for a whole year. God, He really is at work. In our milk enterprise, we've now seen over 400 families lifted right out of poverty up country. Because Everest, one man, was obedient to God. The problem is cows and the answer is cows. And now over 400 families, thousands of people. Burundian families are big. like often have like 10 kids. So that's a lot of people that have been lifted out of poverty and we're now starting it in a new um, area. God has provided us with a piece of land. We feel he's giving us new territory. We want to build a purpose-built place for um, our milk enterprise so that it can expand and be taken out across the nation. We have no money right now. Maybe if I ever get to speak to you again, I'll be able to tell you what God did this time. But uh, we're waiting on him at the moment for that one. And then I'm just going to skip to the end. What a faithful God we have. God is amazing. Yeah, and look at what God's done in Burundi. And please be encouraged that, that God wants to use you to bring change and transformation wherever you are mission right here and right now as well as to the ends of the earth amen
1: i hope that is so helpful when someone shares from the context that the week has been given you day one was church planting why do we plant churches what did the new testament say about the planting of churches how did that work out how did that roll out Day two was the natural outworking of planting churches is that we begin to think about how do we share the gospel? How can we share with our friends here? How can we share with people we don't yet know? Uh, Day three yesterday was embracing the poor. And day four today, going to the nations. And, uh, and I hope you're seeing in everyone's story that, that, ch- that this is the effect of, of, of church in the nation. This is the effect of church in the nation. This is, is God's heart for the poor and, and for the lost. And, and, and it was shared with you so humbly and so beautifully. And I say that nicely because I had heard of, of Donna uh, before in Cape Town where I work. I'd heard of her work from Cape Town, yet we had never met. But yet I had heard of her work. But beautifully when she speaks, and I hope you take this going, I almost imagine her being like my auntie. (laughs) Does that make sense? She's so normal, she could be my auntie. But yet the transformation that is happening through her is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal the way God is using her. So you've got an opportunity now to quiz another ordinary hero, another an uh, ordinary person who God's using to do phenomenal things. We've got we've got time left. Take advantage. And then I'm going to ask her to pray over us, to pray for us, to pray for some of you who have got a heart for the nations, who think, I want to be like you when you were hearing what she was showing. I, I want to do that. I want to see that in my lifetime. But turn to the people next to you. Uh, turn in little threes and fours. What one question do you have? And then we'll take some questions. And, uh, and we'll see. What so turn quickly. You haven't got long. You've got an expert in the room. Take advantage of it. What question have you got? And then I'm going to pull you and we'll take some of the questions. Okay, right. I want as much time as we can. If you've got a question in your little group of three or four, if you have a question, just raise your hand right now. Okay, you were first with two hands in the air. Stand up. Stand up and shout it out and we'll... So I'll repeat it again. When you were called, how did you know uh, and, and, and how did all of that work?
0: Good question. (laughs) So I think for many years, it was just a sense in my heart that when I heard the nations being talked about, I just would feel something. And I'm like, I don't really know what that is. But I kind of felt like I think even before I was actually a Christian, I kind of had a passion for Africa. And so I think God does put things in us. That's, that's for a reason. He's made each of us unique. And therefore, I think the things that you're passionate, the things that, you know, you get excited about that bring life to you, take those seriously. And then, um, and then the very specific thing came when actually one of the elders' wives in our church had heard a lady speak at the Stonely Bible Week who was talking about her work in Burundi, a lady called Chrissy Chapman. And uh, my friend Maria just felt that I needed to meet Chrissy. And so it wasn't anything really that I did. And I think that's the other thing. Actually, God is more than able to do what he calls us to. We don't have to make it happen. Our job is to surrender and to be obedient when he speaks. So I think he will work out. It's his call. He will work it out. We're his sheep, the Bible tells us. We're his sheep. We hear his voice. And obviously, we need to submit things to elders and and make sure we're not not making crazy decisions. But actually, I think God puts it in us, and he will then... um, in his way that he knows will reach us he will give us that opportunity and then it's the moment of like god do i go for this so for me when when i met chrissy and she invited me to burundi and uh she said will you come She said, and this was august and she's like will you come and uh, in september and i'm like no i've got a job i can't just come straight away i said and i need to hear god and i did i went back and i prayed and i talked to my leaders and i asked god to confirm it and and in that case god did it quite quickly within about 10 10 uh, days actually I knew that God had said go and then I and then I prepared to go over the next few months so but don't try and make it happen that would be my advice don't make it happen trust God pray and and let God work it out and then surrender that's great
1: here's a plug I said it was a journey tomorrow's session in this mission stream is hearing the call of God and we're bringing, uh, Livy's going to be in the room, I'm going to be here, Um, we're going to really wait on God in that, and some of you are feeling a strong sense of call, come in the room tomorrow, we're going to have people praying over you, people praying for you, and just sense how we can help you with hearing God, hearing God's call, go through some practical examples of, from our lives, of where we've done that, where we've heard that, where we've stepped out, so that's a plug over, question, next question, yep, you are next, go for it, when you're called to a country, how do you move there and start life? Like, how does that happen?
0: To be honest, I think that's really difficult to answer because I think it would depend on what country you're, you're going to. Um, what I think would be worth saying here, though, is some of you in this room, I believe, God is going to call you to the unreached peoples of the earth. And some of those nations that are the closed nations, that you can't, you can't turn up and say, oh, I'm a missionary. You, they wouldn't let you in. You'd probably be put in prison or killed or something, persecuted. And so I often a way into a nation will be through your skills. And actually, when I first went to Burundi, I had to go on a humanitarian aid contract and you could get in as a doctor or a teacher. And because I was a teacher, I could get in. And for some of you, you know, if you've got, say, a passion for engineering or teaching or medical things, that will be your doorway into the country and so if you are feeling a call in your, on your life, I'd really ask that you, that you encourage you just to seek God and say, God, what decisions should I be making? What courses should I study? And let God gu- guide your future. He knows where he's called you and he'll, he'll direct you along the path. And then when you get a bit closer, there'll be those around you that can say, you know, actually can help you with the specific, specifics of the nation that God is calling you to. But just keep seeking him and he, he will do it.
1: Okay, still got time? Yeah,
0: right at the back. The work out.
1: How did language, how, do you, how did language work <laughs> out for you?
0: You are speak <laughs> you are asking that question of somebody that is useless at languages. <laughs> I tell you, I, just picking up on what Steve said, just let me tell you this story quickly because it fits with the language thing. Last year, we had a couple of uh, friends come out from, from Gateway and um, my church at home came out to Burundi and one of them, after a few days, said to me, like, Donna, this is the most amazing faith-building trip. And I'm like, that's great, Clive. Why is that? And he said, he said, because I'm just learning if God can use you, God can use anyone. He's like, <laughs> he's like, you are so ditzy. And the reality is I have struggled to learn the language and I still need translation. And so I do advocate, if God is calling you to a place, I definitely would say, learn the language, learn the culture. And yet I have so struggled that I still don't have it now, and I have to rely on others to translate for me. So it it hasn't disqualified me, but generally I would say, you know, to, to learn a language. But actually, Marungwa, in the purposes of God, Marungwa now actually sees me as his mum. And he, he, he calls me his mum, and I see him as my son. And because he was brought up in, a, in an orphanage run by uh, English and Canadians and Americans, he speaks English. And so actually, he translates for me, which is amazing. So God has his ways.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, go for it. So how do we do random uh, kind things while we're in our community and while we're still at school? So I'll broaden it a little. How does the call of God, what does it look like in school? Now, what does it look like if you're feeling stirred by this stuff? What does it look like now? It's a good question.
0: I think if you're thinking of that, I, I think God is going to put some opportunities before you for each and every one of you. Because actually all around us are people that are broken and hurting and situations that, that need change. And so actually it's about, it's about our hearts and it's about looking out for others and just saying, God, what would, you, what would you have me do? Help me to see, Lord, the world through your eyes. If you pray that prayer, then I think you see. You will see those opportunities. And if you say to, if you say to God, look, let me represent you well. Like I said at the, uh, earlier, you know, in Genesis it talks about we were made to be image bearers, which means we get to represent God to those around us. So we don't need to do anything clever. We don't need to do anything big even, you know, just picking up litter, helping somebody, opening a door for, for somebody, even those little things that we don't always see in our, in our society, showing that you care, being there for your friends, just being kind and showing love actually will make enormous impact and people will see the difference in you when you're living to serve others rather than for your own good. And just pray, God, let, me, let my hands and feet be like your hands and feet. You know, that we're his body here on earth and we get to to, to do the things that physically he, he's not here physically. Obviously he's here by his spirit, but we we can we can show the love of God. You know, even in a hug, by hugging somebody, a friend, God can show his love through that.
1: That's great. Right, I've got time for a couple more, but two more. Anyone? If not, we're gonna do something else. Are you sure? Go and what oh okay, go and go for it. How did God provide the large sums of money that have been yeah. t- talked about? Go for it.
0: Okay, so what happened with that piece of land in, in particular? So we knew that the land was £100,000. We took up an offering in my church in Gateway and 18500 was given. And then we needed obviously over more than £80,000 more. We were at our hub conference in Dubai, which is our, uh, our conference for the regions beyond churches, and um steve oliver who leads our family of churches had given an announcement in the morning that there was a piece of land that we wanted to buy in burundi that had been a killing field and he wasn't asking for money but he's i think he said you know we've we've got a bit of it but we we need a lot more i can't remember the exact figures but god spoke to a couple that had an inheritance and god told them to pay the balance and actually what had happened was Steve, I can't remember the figures, but Steve had got muddled and so he'd given the wrong figure. He said, you know, something like, we still need $40,000. But it wasn't 40, it was, all pounds, it was 80. And, and so God spoke to this couple and then Steve, they, they passed Steve a note and they said, we, we are giving 40,000 pounds. And then, Sti- and then I happened to speak to Steve, not knowing that this had happened. I happened to speak to Steve, and I said, Oh, Steve, you know, great what you said this morning, but actually it's not 40,000 we need, it's 80,000. And I didn't know this, but Steve then went back to this couple and said, Oh, by the way, I think they'd come to Steve and they said, We feel God has told us to, to give the balance, and so here's 40,000 pounds. But because they said God has told us to pay the balance, Steve went back to them and said, Actually, the balance is a lot higher than I said. And is there any chance that, you know, you just feel that um, you, should, you should pay any more? And, and the, the lady in the couple turned around to her husband and said, see, I told you that wasn't enough. I just knew it when we wrote the check. And they, and they paid the balance. And then Steve announced it at the hub conference in Dubai. And the room just went nuts. And we were just like dancing and praising. So it was just absolutely incredible. So just somebody's obedience, again, that has released the purposes of God in another nation.
1: It's amazing. Um, I don't want to let this opportunity go um, in one way we could end now it's a hot day we could leave and go and have lunch um, but I think more has been done probably in your heart than that um, for some of you a sense there's this this feeling of I, I, I really want to catch that I really want to catch what's what's been shared I really want to catch faith for that and, uh, and, I, and I think that's something of if that's you and you know when, when going into a closed nation was mentioned you were like oh, I, I, I want to but I want to, I need faith for that. Um, if you've said, I, I just want this to be kind of my story. I want your story to be something of my story. If that's you and you know specifically, and I mean really specifically, we're all called to serve the poor. That's the gospel. We're all called uh, uh, to, 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 to partner with this. But if you very specifically know that God is, is stirring you and you need faith for what he's calling you to in the future, I'd love you just to stand and I'm going to ask Donna to pray for you. So take a second. Take a second and then stand. Great.
0: Yeah, Father. God, thank you. Lord, that you, first of all, you, you, you redeem us, Lord. You save us, Lord. You rescue us. Lord, with your loving kindness, you draw us. And Father, we thank you that you have saved us. Jesus, we thank you that we, we are reconciled with you, that we know you. But Lord, thank you that you don't leave it there. Thank you, Lord God, that you have plans and purposes, Lord, to catch us up in, your, in what you are doing, Lord God, in, in, in the nations of the world, Lord God. That you want us to be those that, that bring transformation, that's, that get the privilege, Lord God, of, of, of seeing your kingdom come, Lord God. And Father, I just want to pray for every person here today, Lord God, for each and every one that has responded to you. Father, I thank you. And guys, just as you stood then, I just felt as you just stood, God just said, I'm raising an army. And just thank you for responding to God and, and Father. I pray would you pour out your Spirit, Lord God, on 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 these people here today, Lord God. These young people, their lives ahead of them, Father, I want to ask that you would um, empower them with your Holy Spirit. Father, I want to pray that you would protect your your call on their lives, Lord God. That you would give them that you would give them words that you would speak to them through Scripture, Lord God. That you would um, that you would just put the right people in their paths at the right time. Father thank you we don't have to make these things happen lord god you will do it and i ask that today you would just deposit in everyone's heart that is responding to you lord god those seeds of faith lord that you would grow those seeds in these days father i pray that for these young people that they would be established in you lord god knowing you loving you lord god loving your word loving the church being rooted in lord god and Father, that in your in your time, that you would propel them, Lord God, into your purposes in the nations, Father. Lord, I pray that they may know you leading them and guiding them, that they may know your voice saying, this is the way, walk in it, Lord God. Father, would you come, would you pour out your Holy Spirit? Lord, thank you that we don't have to make it happen, Lord. It's all about you and you doing things, Lord. And Father, I just pray that every young people person here that's responding to you lord i want to pray that 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 lord you would you would enable them that you would empower them and father that they would just have hearts that would be surrendered to you and lord god that they would they would know you lord so much that when you speak they would they would hear your voice and they'd say yeah i am i'm going to do that that's obedience doesn't matter what my friends think but, Lord, that these, these young people would be sold out for you. And, God, that they would bear much fruit, Lord God, that they would be part of your mighty army in these days, Lord God, to take your gospel, Lord, to the ends of the earth, Lord Jesus, for your glory. Lord, that you may have worshippers from every tribe and tongue and nation. Lord God, that you would have your inheritance and that you would use us Lord God, in response, Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord. Have your way. See all what you're doing today, Lord God, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.